Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Tony Katz, the morning news, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Tony is back tomorrow. Um, I've had a bunch of different personal feelings. I wonder about you. Throughout the entirety of the Israel-Gaza, the Israel-Hamas conflict, and mostly the feelings that have been sort of uh, surprising to me are the ones that see so many Americans, especially young Americans, like the ones over the weekend right here in Indianapolis, that are protesting and discussing something that seems to be screaming um, death to Israel or, or death to uh, Jewish people as much as anything else. And, and they I don't think they're aware of what they're saying. At least I hope they're not. Some of them may be aware of the things they're saying out of these protesters. But a lot of young people who are walking around and saying, you know, free uh, the Palestinians. Uh, Gaza is a situation where Israel has acted a certain way just disregard so many aspects of what's happened over the last month alone. Uh, the the attack, the uh, horrific attack that takes 1,400 lives and, and takes people hostage. There's still hostages. Right now, I wonder, um, a couple hostages were freed and sent back to the Illinois area uh, just outside of Chicago in Evanston uh, on Friday. I wonder how those two individuals, it's a mother and a daughter, uh, will feel when they get back to the United States and see people that are protesting in support of those who had kept them hostage, who had kept them captive. I just wonder how that experience goes right now. And I understand, and I'll say it the uh, way that I've been saying it to uh, friends that want to have this conversation with me or anyone else. I understand that there are innocent people, uh, women and children uh, in Palestine or, or, excuse me, in Gaza, uh, they're Palestinian. I understand that. I truly do. Uh, Israel's mission is to remove Hamas from this earth or remove Hamas from having any sort of relevance or power. And Hamas's stated goal, by the way, the terrorist organization that is control of the Gaza Strip right now, uh, is to kill all uh, Jewish people, to kill everyone in Israel, uh, to remove them from, from planet Earth. I, I don't understand how we're having this conversation without certain nuance. Uh, that's probably the best way that I can say it. Um, and so often, so many of these, I don't mean to rant to open the show at six o'clock in the morning, filling in for Tony Katz, but here we are. I can't help myself uh, when I know that there's protesting going on throughout the country, predominantly young people, that you got Harvard students signing letters that say certain things. Um, but it just seems like today's world, so many of the arguments we have purposefully ignore certain aspects of it or purposefully oversimplify something just so we can have opposing sides. Uh, that's what it seems like happens to me, that these on the opposing side of whatever the conservatives have been saying, whatever, you know, the politicians that you don't like, if you're on the other side of the aisle have been saying, forces the need to have a differing opinion. Uh, it just, it makes no sense to me. Blaming Israel for the terrorist attack on, on innocent women and children and the kidnapping of people 
which is essentially what is going on here, is it's crazy. It's just crazy. I, I have no other reaction to it other than it's it's crazy. Um, we will see what happens next. Uh, the the scary parts of uh, the next few moves by all involved. The U.S. has deployed additional missile systems to Middle East uh, as Israel and Hamas continue to engage fire. Uh, that's a headline out there. Uh, China is moving warships closer to the area. That's a headline out there. Uh, I think I even saw one fear, like uh, uh, mongering sort of piece out there that says these are the six steps that get us from where we are right now to World War III. And yet a part of me is very aware that there's a lot of things that could be in play uh, that could push the the conflict further, that could widen it and make it more dangerous. And I'll say one last thing about that, actually. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do some other things early in the morning, and eventually we'll get back out of this and a lot of the other serious topics of the day. Uh, but the one other thing I think is so important in so much of, of how this is discussed or you know what we talk about or, or how we think about uh, the, the future of all this uh, is remembering very simplistically that at the end of, of all of this conflict, uh, there will be those who are standing. There, there will be those who have uh, gone through whatever the, the difficulty of all this is and will be standing. And a lot of us, those who have protested or said what they've said, will have to really wonder uh, who they were really standing with and in support of. It's just, I don't know. But anyway, we'll take a break. As I said, we'll get to other things, uh, many other things, uh, more fun things. It's a Monday. Can't be serious all day long. Uh, this is Craig Collins filling in. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Matt and Jonathan hanging out as they do every single morning on this show. Uh, Jonathan, you were telling me off the air before the show started that you actually saw some of the uh, protesting uh, that was going on, some of the pro-Palestine um, uh, or pro-Gaza, pro-Hamas, basically, is what it feels like to many uh, versions of, of things. Is there anything you want to say about it? I wanted to give you a chance. I didn't even let you know I was going to do this before we get to uh, lighter things, but uh, what did you want to say about what you saw? Uh, it was really interesting. Um, they were just down here on the circle. I was going to the Pacers game on Friday night, parked here because nice. free parking is great, and <laughs> walked over. Uh, they're really loud. A lot of people, um, more than what I would have expected, just given where we are, sure. um, was just genuinely surprised by it. You know, because it's one of those things that you hear about on the news, all the people protesting in favor of Palestine, and and then just to see it was just a completely different kind of experience. And my wife was with me, and we oh, we've wow. been we we were on vacation when everything kind of broke loose, and so she was asking me all sorts of questions, and I was just like, "You got to give me a second to like process." <laughs> That this is like happening here, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I love that she immediately starts asking you questions. I can't tell you the amount of people that I've heard from uh that are not uh followers of news that know what I do for a living. They're just like, hey, tell me what this is. Tell me what's going on. Cause I get a lot of that. Uh, was it a lot of young people though? What did it look like a lot of twenty somethings that were out there or maybe even younger than that? Um, I couldn't really tell. It was definitely a, like an overall younger crowd. Um, sure. I don't know about like early twenties. Like it didn't look. It didn't look like there were a bunch of like college students from IUPUI out there. Okay. But it, but it was right. definitely a, a younger crowd, though. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's the craziest thing to me in all this, and the the conversation about this conflict specifically, and the way in which we're seeing protests play out is predominantly this is college campus stuff. This is you know uh, very young um, people. Uh, that are that are saying and, and doing the things they're doing. You're not seeing, I think, a lot of uh, older crowds 
uh, walking around and, say, populating any of these protests anywhere in the country, not just here locally. And so I, I do wonder if what's coming from that, and I'm talking to a 20-something as I say this, so please, you know, help me out as much as you can if you want to. What's coming from that is an arrogance of understanding of this and then a belief that there is a, a simplistic version of it because both of those things aren't true to me. There is not a simple version of the conflict between a terrorist organization like Hamas and Israel, even though a lot of young people seem to want that. And then the arrogance of thinking that that's enough understanding of it to have such a radical opinion on one side of the conflict that essentially is propping up a terrorist organization. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think that people my age, we, we try to make things as simple as possible. And there are just right. certain issues that you can't make really simple. I remember... So on my way back from vacation, my dad called me, and he was like, hey, this happened. You're probably going to have to talk about it. Call me if you want if you want the history. Because um, my dad's a pastor, and so he knows about all wow. this kind of stuff. And so sure enough, you know, I'm like, sure, why not? Call him. We had a very long conversation about the very <laughs> long history of sure. stuff like this. And sure. when the history is that long, you can't make things super simple. It's not as black no. and white as I think that people want it to be. Right. Yeah, no, and especially when you want to have such a radical opinion, I think, because I, I believe, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I believe this to be true, that that most individuals are aware when their opinion is is far from the mainstream, uh, when, it's, when it's far from, say, what most people around them are probably saying or thinking. I don't think you do that blindly. I don't think that you take those extreme positions without any uh, awareness whatsoever that, that this is in the minority uh, version of a, of doing something. And what I think is so interesting about people who do that, and I'm not saying that all minority opinions are bad. Some are certainly good. There's certainly some out there that even I uh, agree with in certain situations. And yet when, when someone does that, I think if you don't dedicate yourself to fully understanding this issue uh, that so many people are disagreeing with you on, uh, I don't think that your, your interest becomes um, actually getting it or actually having a informed opinion. I think it becomes gaining attention uh, more so than not. If someone is willing to have a more extreme opinion without the base of knowledge that they need to have to validate said opinion, then I think it's more performative. And I think it's what a lot of younger people are trapped in uh, doing now because of, you know, the previ the the prevalence of social media. I for you, when was social media a thing that you knew? You're 20 something. Uh, when when in your life were you aware of that and were many of your friends on it? Yeah, so let me think. I got Facebook when I was like 11 or 12. Sure. Um, but that wasn't really a big deal for people my age. I'm 23, right? Right. So the big thing I think was Instagram, and that probably started like late middle school. Okay. So like 2014, around there. Yeah. But even even with that, um, that's been, um, and I'm not saying for you, Jonathan, but a lot of people's like identity becomes what they say and do online more so than what they say and do in their own life, right? Like oh, that, without that, a doubt. Right. And especially this generation. And so I do think that a lot of this is just trying to get the most reaction clicks to your actual human life in what you're doing, like going out there and supporting the side you're supporting and saying what you're saying, oversimplifying the issue. I think it's just someone trying to get, you know, um, uh, comments and, and retweets, but doing it so brokenly in their mind that they're doing it by actually physically standing on the side of a street corner somewhere. It's a very different form of, I think, protesting or whatever you want to call it than you've seen in the past 
where it, where it is people that I think deeply care about an issue and understand it well. I think we're at the headline-only version of some of this stuff, uh, much to our detriment. That was a very long uh, conversation about this. Couldn't help it. Uh, thank you, Jonathan Feldman. I didn't mean to leave Matt out, by the way. Matt, if you had anything you wanted to say about any of this, you're more than welcome uh, to chime in with a couple minutes left here. Oh, no, I just walked in the door. Um, yeah, I'm good. No, are what are you guys talking about? I mean, what, what did Taylor Swift showed up for the yeah Kansas City yes. game? Yeah, that's what. Okay, you're Okay, yeah, about. no, thank you. Let's do that yeah. as a real quick palate cleanser. Taylor Swift was. Did anybody I didn't see even the mean, stat? Oh, I didn't even want to talk about it. I was no, just kidding. Yeah, I want. I want to do this now, man. Okay. Did anybody see the stat that popped up on TV about the yards? Uh, that uh, Travis Kelsey gets when yes. Taylor's at a game and oh when she's gosh. not there. She's so good when she's there. Oh, my right. God. This is the most ridiculous thing. I, I can't – I don't know – I know that some people are saying this is finally, like, jump the shark when you're actually counting the stats and needing Taylor to be there as opposed to not. But, yeah, it's it's something. Are the Swifties still watching football? Do we know this or no? Probably not. And okay. the worst part about it is – I don't know I don't know if you saw – I know I've seen it, like, a hundred times now. So Taylor Swift and Patrick Mahomes' wife, they've got like a handshake. And now whenever I get on social media, it's just there, posted no. by all these different accounts. It's oh. it's the worst. All right. Uh, thank you, uh, Matt, for bringing up uh, Taylor Swift. It was important that we got to her this morning. Wait, he has a great game when she's there, to Craig. She, she play, he plays really well. He's, right, yeah. Can't say I, he's going to win actually, it all. You know, the other funny thing I saw, just real quick, I know it was like a viral thing somewhere. I can't remember who put it out there, but Taylor Swift should date the next Speaker of the House, and then we'll pick <laughs> who that is much quicker. It'll be That's way weird. easier to have that happen. All right. Tony Cast Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Tired this morning, I think. Uh, let's talk about uh, important things. Let's talk about serious stuff. Let's actually play some audio of Nikki Haley. I think she popped up on CNN uh, over the weekend, and she said that we should definitely be taking in um, uh, Palestinian refugees, uh, people from uh, Gaza. And, of course, there's a lot of issues with how this would even be done if it were done, and a whole lot of people who absolutely say this would be the wrong approach. Here's what Haley said, and then uh, we will uh, attack, I will attack a portion of how bad of an idea this would be, at least from a risk standpoint, but here we go. You have to realize that whether we're talking about Gazans and Palestinians, um, you know, all of them don't, you've got half of them at the time that I was there, didn't want to be under Hamas's rule. They didn't want to have terrorists overseeing them. They knew that they were living a terrible life because of Hamas. You had the other half that supported Hamas and wanted to be a part of that. We see that with Iran, too. The Iranian people don't want to be under that Iranian regime. They don't. We saw what happened to Masa Amini. We saw how they treat them. There are so many of these people who want to be free from this terrorist rule. They want to be free from all of that. And America's always been sympathetic to the fact that you can separate civilians from terrorists. And that's what we have to do. Yeah, I understand her idea. I understand the the concept itself and saying you have to separate this group from that group. But if you go back halfway into this uh, statement, when she says the part about half of the people within uh, the Gaza Strip or half of the people in any one area are in support of a terrorist organization that would like to do harm to the United States of America as much as anyone else um, uh, that is not uh, simply the attacks that are going on right now on Israel and the Jewish people, uh, then you wonder to yourself why you would risk any version of, of a conversation that almost encourages or takes in refugees 
and allows that organization with support of half of the people there, according to Nikki Haley, um, to to send people here and potentially do harm within our country. I feel like that would be the inevitability of this and the uh, people in charge, the people who are advocating for these sort of things would simply, I guess, ignore that part of it. I'm not really sure, but it's sort of surreal to hear people say that we have to do a better job in this over here or in that over there. And then also immediately demonstrate the reason we're not doing it uh, when saying 50%. And again, that's her own estimation, not mine, of, of people in any one area support any one certain thing that is certainly not in the best interest of the United States. Anyway, I'll move on. I want to play a couple other quick things. Kevin McCarthy refused to endorse Trump on Meet the Press over the weekend. Uh, yes, there is other news out there. Um, there's still no Speaker of the House. Um, just really quickly about that, I don't think that's anywhere near as bad of a thing as most people that I've been talking to feel it is. I'm not saying that we don't need a speaker. We, we do. And it'd be nice to have one sooner rather than later. It'd be nice to have the Republican Party find a way to come together and, and wield the power of being in the small majority in the House better. At the same time, Washington has been broken for so long and so many people do so little uh, that are in those jobs to benefit you and I on every side of the aisle. Uh, Democrats actually agree with this point more often than not, that Washington does not serve our interests. It serves its own interests or the interests of those uh, in those positions of power. And so seeing something profoundly new or something we haven't seen in a very long time, uh, whatever it is, is sort of always exciting to me. Uh, watching there be an internal struggle that's playing out, um, you know, uh, differently than you've seen before is actually reflective of the supportive uh, base of the conservative side of the aisle. Uh, there are people who are more Trump supporters than conservatives, uh, or at least than uh, calling themselves Republicans per se. And there are people that are more uh, conservative or call themselves Republicans that aren't necessarily as closely aligned uh, to the former president, although he's easily going to become, uh, it seems, uh, the nominee. And by any uh, amount of information, it seems right now he's likely to be the next president. Uh, so I'll play this McCarthy audio in a second, but to get back to sort of the main thing that that seems to be maybe at the heart of of uh, whatever version of McCarthy still refusing to endorse Trump that might exist, it, it's a party that's in denial, I think, to a certain extent of what these supporters of it um, believe uh, and, and just how many supporters are, uh, you know, leaning here or leaning there or thinking that even a lot of Republicans that go to Washington are not doing anything to benefit us or anything to benefit uh, those that they're supposed to be representing. So I, I think this is inherently much better uh, than most people think it is, even if we're in week three and you don't have an official Speaker of the House. And that's not so good for doing that day-to-day -day job that we're asking uh, the politicians to do. But again, how often are they even doing it to benefit us anyway? But I digress. Here, I want to play this audio and I want to laugh at how ridiculous it is this late in this game to still be uh, refusing to acknowledge that Trump's likely to be the nominee because I think all this does is hurt McCarthy. I don't think it's it's doing anything to benefit him. Let me just ask you this quite simply. Why haven't you endorsed him yet? Well, the, the campaign is still going. There's a very good chance I he, would endorse him. He's President the clear Trump. front runner. You know he's what? the clear I think front runner. We, I think what are you waiting for? Well, I believe... 
Well, you know what? Because I've got a southern border wide open. I got war in the Middle East. I got things I'm focused on right now. I believe President Trump will be our nominee, and I believe President Trump will get reelected. Are you still Think a MAGA Republican, Mr. He's been brought as, he has brought it chaos. You know what? I am a conservative Republican from the beginning to the end, and that's what I've always been. I, you, try, you can try to phrase different names to people, but I'm proud of who I am. <laughs> Are you a supporter of uh, Trump? Yes or no is simply the question asked multiple different times. I, I don't know if I believe that there are the MAGA Republicans and the other Republicans, the way that Meet the Press and NBC is trying to put that out there. But I certainly do believe there are those like McCarthy who sort of refuse at this point, as late in the game as we are, to still endorse Trump, which makes no sense. And they're doing it because they don't really like the fact that the party isn't in as much power as, as they want it to be in and that Trump uh, wields a lot of influence within the uh, conservative party for sure. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Matt and Jonathan hanging out as they do every single morning on this show. Uh, an auto business caught a criminal trying to steal stuff out of some of the cars. Uh, this is in Ohio. Uh, I think it was a salvage yard. So the dude had like a a couple different um, metal cutter things on him. And when he was asked by police when he got caught, he was like, yeah, I was trying to steal copper, man. Not going to lie to you. He, he just told the truth, which I love. But the funniest part about this, and I, I have some audio, is that uh, because of the type of business it is, and because they saw the thief inside one of the vehicles trying to steal stuff out of it, they just rolled a forklift over, lifted the car up in the air, and left him there until police arrived. So they lifted him high enough into the air where he couldn't jump out, and he was just sort of trapped and waited it out. Uh, this is, I think, one of the um, responding police officers talking about the amusingness of this whole situation. Here we go. He broke into a car at the uh, junkyard, and before he could get out, he's done it before. They got, like, the forklift, and they had him, I'm not kidding, like 20 feet off the ground. <laughs> so when we got there, we went right into custody. I was, uh, it was pretty impressive, honestly. It was pretty amazing, the quick response of those who were working this. Uh, this is awesome to me. Anybody want to respond to this story? If you're trapped inside a car while you're trying to steal something, you might as well get the seat covers and the car stereo and anything <laughs> else that's not nailed down. You make it that's a, true. Make it a productive trip, okay? Yeah, yeah, that's true. How, how high was he? Was he like 20, 20 feet? 20 feet. So that, I mean, that would essentially break your legs if you yeah. jumped oh, up. Yeah. It's like a two-story fall, okay? All right. Yeah. So I love yeah, how, yeah, you're trapped. I love how at the start of the story... <laughs> Craig was like, he was so honest. He just told the police yeah. that he was trying to trying to steal stuff. But at the same time, you know, if you're 20 feet off the ground in a car, oh yeah, I, I mean, what are you gonna do? Like, no, I was just, I don't know, I was just looking, you know, you know, maybe I was a good steal thing. Anything. Yeah, we're, we're we're back to stealing, you know, regular things out of cars. It used to be catalytic converters, so we're uh -huh. like getting back to 90s, early 2000s stuff here, and and I think that is a progress of society. Yeah, so, you're right. You there, get to keep your catalytic be... converters, you might lose a car stereo. Okay, <laughs> you take the good with the bad. Right? That's true. That this seems to be an evolution in the right direction. I get what you're saying, Matt. Woo. That makes sense, and I do love the fact that the guy is as um uh as Jonathan just pointed out a second ago uh, he was honest but he was caught pretty red-handed you are right about that when you're in the car with the stuff to steal things and you're just waiting there for the police to arrive you can't say a lot it's not what you think probably isn't going to work as far as a excuse in that situation i was just changing wanna... my donut that's all <laughs> yeah guys come on uh, one other quick one i thought this was interesting and i'd love a response from both of you on it so a dude in utah put up a bunch of skeletons as his halloween decorations 
And I guess one of the skeletons seemed to be pole dancing on a street sign close to the dude's house. People complained. They thought that was inappropriate. So he moved it to the middle of his yard and made it much bigger. Uh, so it's a it's a bigger pole now. And the I think there might even be more than one skeleton dancing. Is this something upsetting to you? Is this something that people were rightfully complaining about? What does anybody want to say about the pole dancing skeleton Halloween decoration? She's the best stripper ever. <laughs> wow! Sorry, that was just <laughs> really good easy. One. You're right. That's that's you're right. I don't think that's it's inappropriate <laughs> as long as the skeletons aren't touching each other. Okay, keep their right, hands yeah. to themselves, and we're okay. Well, All right. It's not I, I wonder. I wonder if maybe a part of it too. Like, say you you have kids in the car and you're driving by, and they're like, "Hey, what's that skeleton doing?" You can lie. You don't have to say what it is. You're like, "Oh, it's just it's partying." Can it's we dead, yeah, I think, get away ahead. from making fun of the pool dancers, okay? This is right. a real sport. It is athletic, and it should be an Olympic event, okay? I'm not kidding. Pole dancing is hard. And it's you tough. can explain it to your kids yeah. just like that. That's maybe not the career line you want to take, right. but if you do take it up, you're going to have a core. <laughs> if, if that was an Olympic sport, which country do you think would win, Matt Bear? Oh, us. Absolutely, yeah. Us, we, absolutely. We, we, yeah, we'd never, we, it'd be like snowboarding <laughs> in the 2010s. I mean, we wouldn't, we would dominate, you know? It'd be I, like, I'm, America's got the best pole dancers in the entire world. I, I am so happy at the way that this segment went. I, I debated if I, would gonna, if I was going to bring this up on the show today, and I'm so, so thrilled. Matt, my favorite sentence of the entire thing is you'll definitely have a core. I bet it, that you're right. <laughs> There's well, a pro-con I mean, situation listen, I, here. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm being very three-quarters <laughs> serious about the pole dancing. I mean, I, that, it, I mean, it's easy. the same. It's, it's it, it is. You have to be really strong, yeah. like all yeah. over, to be able to do that. Yeah. Every part of the body, 